Eric Ladai has worked as the director of the Rau Jewish History Program and Archives in Pittsburgh, part of the Heinz History Center since 2017. Despite its long and illustrious title, the center itself is pretty small. Ladai is the director of the program as well as its only permanent staff member. In his first year on the job, Ladai spent most of his time archiving old Yiddish theater posters from the 1920s, organizing records from small synagogues in the hills of western Pennsylvania, items that felt insignificant to the people who created them but are indispensable to those of us who want to understand their lives. And since the mass shooting at the Tree of Life synagogue last October, Ladai's work has changed dramatically. Instead of hunting for hidden away artifacts that tell the story of generations past, Ladai has begun archiving objects that tell the story of this generation. Recently, a mother and her young daughter went to Ladai's archives to donate a protest sign. And when the daughter asked why they had to give it away, Ladai tried explaining why he preserves things that are historically significant. But the girl's mother just put it this way. It's so someday you can bring your granddaughter to look at it. At first, Ladai's struggle was getting people to see the value in these seemingly insignificant objects they would usually just throw away or recycle. Cardboard signs from a protest, notes left at a curbside memorial, stickers from that fall's midterm elections. They're just things, of course, but they're also more than that. One of Ladai's most prized artifacts is a bulletin from a bar mitzvah complete with Steeler's logo on the front in Hebrew that was from the day of the shooting at a synagogue down the street. And when the family found out that 11 people had been killed, they decided to finish the bar mitzvah. It's just a piece of paper, of course, but it's also more than that. And now that the community sees the value of his work, Ladai has a very different problem. How can you preserve a seemingly infinite number of stories? As a historian, Ladai knows he only has access to a fraction of people's lives. He wishes those people had kept more diaries, took more pictures, maintained better records. But in his new role chronicling history as it happens, everything seems worthy of saving. A few days after the shooting, Ladai went to a protest to collect remnants of people's grief. And surrounded by thousands of people, he was overcome by their depth of anguish in the seemingly endless sea of people around him. He says, quote, it felt like archiving the ocean. In the passage of time, he knew there would be some artifacts, some names, and some stories that would be lost. Now we know that experience of loss too. Sometimes we feel that loss because of death. A loved one dies and you realize you will never have another conversation with them. Sometimes we feel that loss because of time. You travel back to a place that was meaningful to you and realize it's not the same place anymore. And sometimes we feel that loss because of distance. You go somewhere new and realize you feel like a part of yourself was left behind along the way. Whatever the reason, the experience is the same. 
There's some reality we can't get to anymore. It's over. It's done with. And when we try to explain it to other people, this person, this place, this time that was so meaningful to us, it never quite captures what it was. It feels like trying to archive the ocean. The author of Daniel knew something of that sense of loss, too. About 200 years before Christ was crucified, Antiochus Epiphanes, the Greek king and ruler of Judea, undertook a campaign to Hellenize the Jews. This meant Jews were not allowed to observe their Torah rituals, and their temple was converted into a shrine for Zeus. The Judeans had no rituals, which meant they had no history. They had no future, which meant they had no hope. They couldn't worship properly, which meant they had no God. And they had no leadership, which meant they had no kingdom. Now it's into that historical context the prophet Daniel speaks. Beasts and kings, he says, the seemingly powerful forces may rise from the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. It's a meaningful promise for a better future, but it's also something more than that. We often make a mistake when we read apocalyptic literature like this, and we assume it's talking about some event off in the future somewhere. Something that's going to happen later, something for some other generation of people to experience. But that's not quite right. Apocalyptic literature like Daniel is really about an unveiling. It's not trying to predict something in the future, it's trying to show us something that's happening right now. As Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, recently put it, apocalyptic literature pulls the curtain back so you can see what's really going on. So this is not talking about some event for some other group of people. This is talking about something that's happening to you right now. The holy ones shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Whenever the tyrants of the world, Antiochus Epiphanes for the Judeans, the Roman emperor Domitian for the early church, say that you don't have a people or a history or a kingdom, God says the kingdom is yours already. So if we take Daniel seriously, it should change the way that we think about time. As Eric Ladai's project reminds us, time keeps us apart. It keeps us from truly knowing one another. We feel separated from our ancestors. To understand their lives, we have to rummage through ticket stubs and theater posters and membership lists. Maybe you've had that experience of seeing a picture of a great-great-great-grandmother or grandfather. And even though you recognize they're a person just like you, maybe they even look like you, you can't imagine what life was like from their perspective. We know their names, we have their stories, we have when they were born and when they died, but their experience remains foreign to us. And we're separated from the people who come after us. When that mother in Ladai's archives told her daughter someday she could bring her granddaughter to see their sign, the subtext is that the mother won't be around to explain what the sign meant. The best she can do is pass on a piece of cardboard. 
to bridge those gaps, to communicate our experience to our loved ones, to be known by the people we've received our life from and passed it on to feels almost impossible. Feels like archiving the ocean. But in the body of Christ, time is held together. As St. Paul writes in the letter to the Ephesians, the body of Christ fills all in all, which is just a poetic way of saying there is nothing outside the body of Christ. No time, no stories, no experiences, no generations, no people. It's all present, it's all there. In the body of Christ, we're no longer separated by death or suffering, by geography or generation. And every time we come to Christ's table to receive and become Christ's body, we don't simply gather with the people who also happen to show up this morning. We don't also gather with the churches who also started worship at 930. We gather with all the saints who have come before us and all the saints who have come after us. If you want to visualize this in your head, imagine that when you come up to receive communion today, there is a line of people stretching from the first disciples back to you, people who brought you into the household of God. And behind you is a line of everyone who will come after you, who will be brought into communion with God by your work and witness. So the Eucharist is God's way of pulling back the curtain of showing us what's really true. That even when we live under the reign of Epiphanes or Domitian or any of the world's tyrants, God says that we shall receive the kingdom and possess it forever. We have a home, we have a purpose, and perhaps most important, we have a people. In a world that so often wants to pull us apart, the body of Christ holds time, creation, and all of us together. Everything is present. Nothing is lost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Invite the assembly.